Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of The Insiders following Kansas State's loss at Missouri. So many things to talk about out of that game. Tim Fitzgerald, the old offensive lineman, Brian Hanley to my side. And down there is Mr. Tim Everson and Glenn Kenley. You can see their outlets right there. Um, and uh, we three were at the game. And the guy who knows the most about football was at home. <laughs> but Tim can attest to this. That's a good thing because we had no replays in the press box. Uh, we, we had we had like the Jumbotron feed, and it was virtually useless. We had no press box announcer. We were just kind of there in a giant box in the sky watching football from a distance. Glenn was on the field, which I think is a horrible way to watch a game, <laughs> ironically. Um, but on TV was probably the best view. So we have different angles on this, and it'll be interesting to see uh, to hear what everyone thinks about that game. Remember, if you're new to this page, to this channel, make sure you're subscribing to the channel. Make sure you're hitting the thumbs up and uh, to like the video. We hope you like the video and leave comments if you choose. And let's get going uh, as we do every week. Brian, give me the things that K-State did wrong that led to defeat because that was a winnable game, but Missouri gets it on a 30-27 to 27 decision on the last second 61-yard SEC record field goal. That was one hell of a way for the Tigers to win a game. As a college football fan, that was cool. But yeah. I felt for the K-State Nation. Give me some of your thoughts. Well, the first thing is, I mean, let's just the elephant in the room, and we've been talking about it, the offensive line. They could not block nope. Missouri's D-line when it came to pass protection. They could not block them. And just like we talked about last week against Troy, uh, and Fitz, you mentioned it, is the blueprint. Missouri just said, we're going to blitz. We're going to see if we're going to get one-on-one blocking, and I think one of our guys is going to be better than one of yours, and that turned out to be the case. And we just couldn't block them. Could not block them. It, it just blows my mind that if this is supposedly the strength of the team, that we're three weeks in and we can't get it figured out. Um, and, and it was noticeable everywhere. Yeah. The one thing I will say is that we could have run the football. We could have run the football because K-State did okay running the football. I don't think a, a recipe for success is dropping back 45, 50 times a game and trying to go win. When K-State, they were, and I know that's weird to say, I just talked about the offensive line couldn't pass block them. They couldn't, but they could run block the guys. And when we stopped running side to side and started running at them, we had success. We had success. Um, so that, to me, was just disheartening. Uh, I mean, we could go all day about the secondary. I mean, if we're going to talk about that, because I, I don't think that Brady Cook uh, is going to remind us of Joe Montana, but he did on Saturday. He did on Saturday, so more power to him. I, we got a lot of things to to clean up. Well, let me point this stat out while I while you're on that. Cook threw for an impressive 356 yards, an amazing and incredible 146 of it was after the catch. Yeah, Luther Burton, who we'll get to, he was a beast. A Burton, 
114 yards, 84 of which were after the catch. He caught the ball 30 yards downfield and turned it into two touchdowns and 84 yards of running after the catch. Absolutely impressive. But, Tim, it comes back to the ground game for me. They got it going. I'll, I'll just – the other elephant in the room is the fact that Avery Johnson came in and had some effectiveness running the, the zone read, and he even got them in a position to pick up a first down. They took him off the field, and they didn't convert on third. Uh, it just seemed like they – once Mizzou committed to blitzing and pressured the line of scrimmage, it threw out – uh, Colin Klein's entire offensive game plan, and he was doing it on the fly, and he got himself a little tied tied up there. He just didn't seem to get a rhythm to his play calling. There were so many drives that 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 stalled out after no or, or one first down. Um, I, I I don't know. I just wonder if you know you do get you know caught up in you know Will has been here in this situation before, even if he is banged up. He's, you know, he's gotten all but one game that he started on on the road since last year. He's won. Let's put the game on him, his shoulders, and, and make it happen and not trust a, a running game that still has, has some unknowns to it. But I, looking back, I, I wonder, especially whenever he got banged up late in the game, yep. would things have been different if they would have put Avery out there and said, hey, full full things at your disposal? run, pass, whatever, do it. I, I found it super interesting that, you know, they, they got Avery out, what, the second drive of the game? And they, they, they have him hand off the first couple times. They have him run a couple times. They never once have him try to throw the ball. Maybe that's yeah. just a read that he's making at the time, but it, that, it felt like they were leading up to something that never, never took place, and that was that was odd. Yeah, that's what every ex-girlfriend would say about our relationships. My <laughs> wife fell for the trick. It led to marriage. Uh, Glenn, you were there. Just give me some thoughts, man. I, I'm I'm so dumbfounded by some of the stuff I saw K-State do, including coaching, uh, that um, I'm I'm beginning to consider how good this team actually is because they just blundered through this game. Yeah, I think there's a lot that we found out needs to be cleaned up and probably a lot of things that we saw against Troy that we were like, well, they, they didn't look great, but they won by 30 points. So sure, surely it's fine. And we found out maybe it wasn't fine. I will say this though, to be the glass half full guy, because maybe we need it in the group right now. If he misses that field goal, 61 yards, which every other SEC kicker in history has missed. Um, and K-State wins in overtime, then we're probably sitting here and we're, I'm not saying that there weren't still issues, but we're probably talking about how hard fought it was and they fought out a good win on the road and an SEC team it, if he misses that field goal and they win in overtime, even if all else remains the same. Now, I'm not saying that everything else looks great, even if they win that game. That doesn't erase some of those errors. But I think, you know, and the defense had, had some concerns for sure. But really, the offense had had a drive where they – had a third and goal on the three-yard line, delay a game, pushes them back. They don't convert, settle for a field goal to tie the game. Instead of going up four, which would have meant Missouri had to get six um, and couldn't have kicked that field goal. And then people talking about that drive. The offense had another drive after that. They had Mm -hmm. that drive where they got three to tie it. Then they forced, I think, a Missouri three and out and got the ball back and then couldn't put anything together on that drive. Now, I don't know how much of that you can attribute to Will not being fully healthy because he wasn't even close. He he. Climbing after the game, he put it simply, he goes, he couldn't run. It, it right. was not an option. 
Um, and you could tell he was hobbling around. Um, he played through a lot of pain. And I don't know how much of that impacted it. Because even if you say, well, Will doesn't run that much. Yes, he doesn't. But it's different when the defense knows he can't. Right. That right, changes yeah. things. And so I don't know how much of that you can attribute to that. Ultimately, uh, the defense let up the big play, which is concerning. But the defense also forced a lot of punts and held them to a, uh, a lot of field goals. Uh, when Missouri, it felt like had a lot of drives. It was, it was uh, a game where both teams threw a lot of punches all throughout the game, figuratively speaking. And um, Missouri, Missouri got the last one with a kick that I think uh, left most of us with our jaws lower. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, here's the two things I want to mention out of what I just heard. One, uh, the the play where Will Howard did attempt to run and had to slide before he got to the first down when he a healthy Will Howard goes past the first down and keeps going told me look if you can't run your offense the way it needs to be run with Will maybe you should try something different here and you know what they're smarter than me they didn't do it they probably had their reasons maybe they just simply didn't want Avery in that situation quite yet in his young career number two I'm just going to be really honest here that delay of game penalty on Missouri what, that backed them up from the 56-yard uh, field goal to the 61-yard field goal because the coaches thought they had a timeout. There was like a – I don't know what happens in that stadium. We saw referees many years ago black out and gave Colorado five downs. <laughs> and this time we saw the entire Missouri sideline forget that they were out of timeouts and they just spiked the ball. There wasn't a timeout. They just stopped the clock and they get a delay a game. But that – is only thought of as maybe the bigger blunder in this game, even in a Missouri win, because he made the field goal, because he made the field goal, because if he misses that field goal, it's all happening over again because K-State put Phil Brooks on the field wearing number eight when Will Lee wearing number eight was at the end of the line, just clearly visible to the back judges, and they dropped a flag. If he misses that field goal, they're getting the five yards back and moving it straight up to kick a 56-yarder. And believe me, the howls from K-State fans about coaching right then and there would have been awful. Mm, yes. So in some ways, the made field goal Kate caught uh, gave K-State uh, fans or K-State's coaches a less grief from that game. Um, it just wasn't a well-coached game by either team. And it was a well-played game uh, by one guy in particular, and he let K-State know it after the game. Uh, talked a lot of trash post-game, which I didn't think was a, much of a tradition. Um, but Luther Burden, uh, Bryant, <laughs> seven catches yeah. for 116, 114 yards. He was yeah. unstoppable. He, he absolutely made the K-State secondary look silly because, as I mentioned, he caught the ball not far down the field and then just said, you guys can't catch me. And he was right. They couldn't catch him for the most of the afternoon. Yeah, I mean, he's a special, special talent, a special player. And we talked about it, how he was going to be a problem. And he was an absolute problem. Um, it, look, it, it, we, I know going into the season we had, we were optimistic about the secondary. But again, there, while Luther Burton is outstanding, I just think there's better things coming down the road that K-State's going to face the secondary is going to have to pick it up and get better. Either that or we're going to have to change some type of scheme because, look, like I said, Brady Cook is fine. It, it, he had a great game. He did. But he's not Joe Montana. And he picked us apart. 
And that's right. unacceptable. Uh, I know we go back to a lot of things. And look, we got to help the secondary too. You can't continue to rush three guys up front and they're blocking us and think that that's going to be okay. Guys eventually are going to get open. That's the way it works. We don't have a first-round draft pick on our defensive line that occupies two, sometimes three blockers, and then we're just beating one-on-one. That's not what we have right this second, okay? So at some point, at some point, we have got to make a concerted effort to do some things differently to help everybody else on the field. And that's why people get so mad about the coaching aspect of it is because, guys, they're picking us apart. We got to do something different. It didn't seem like it ever happened. Yep, well, Brian, the other thing I would mention too, Clint said after the game, they asked him how much confusion on that secondary. He said he saw more panic than confusion. I think a few of these younger guys who I know they played a little sure. bit last year, some of them did, but a lot of them didn't play a lot last year. And then they could keep up with the guys from Troy and the guys from SEMO. And I, I do wonder if when a guy like Luther Burden just takes off, if there's any sort of hesitation of, of, any oh crap moment or any question in your mind of can I keep up with him by the time you get that thought through your mind gone it's done with and so I'll be interested to see if that does come with time if there wasn't he didn't say there was no confusion but he said there was more panic than confusion if it wasn't confusion maybe that's something they get figured out as these guys get more comfortable and they don't hit the panic button when this guy takes off on him instead he says okay I gotta go I'm, I'm with him yeah no I, I absolutely agree I, I believe that there was panic I mean, you could see it, especially on the first touchdown throw. I mean, like, you're not even turning the right way when he's running past you, and then the ball's over your head, and you couldn't even see it. I'm not sure I've seen that a lot of times at a Division One safety. I'll, I'll be honest. I've watched a whole lot of football. I haven't seen a lot of times where the ball's going over the safety's head, and he has no idea where the ball is. So, you know, we, we, they just got to be better. That's all. They just got to be better. Tim, Marquis Siegel got a trial by fire and and left pretty scorched. Um, he he was uh, kind of lost back there. He's new to the position, but boy, um, that is now an exposed weakness, and he's got to get better real fast in this conference. It's unfortunate uh, because in the past, and they've had guys like like Josh Hayes come in who have kind of made that transition. Uh, it's it's worked out so well and so seamlessly, or at least it's it's appeared that way. Um, but I don't know if it's maybe just missing that first week and still trying to kind of get your feet under you. You don't, you don't get that kind of, kind of that easy, you know, walking in game against SEMO that everyone else got. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't awful versus, versus Troy, but he was out. I mean, he was outmanned. It was, it was tough. It was tough to watch. They put in Colby McAllister eventually. Um, but this, I mean, the, the way that they've talked him up, I would assume that, that, that things are going to get better. I would assume that, that he kind of recovers, but going back to the panic thing, I, I wonder because guys like Jacob Parrish, I mean, they they had to guard like Quentin Johnson last year. I mean, they've, they've seen guys, I don't know if it's just the the road environment led to that also a little Mm -hmm. bit or, or, or what it was, but I, I found that. I found that interesting. Maybe I mean Will Lee maybe hasn't been in, the, in that kind of scenario. So so I, you can point to him and some of the other secondary. But Jake Parrish, whenever you talk to him, he's he's very much talked about how much he he likes being one on one. He thinks he can keep up with anyone. Um, and I, I and in, up to this point, he, that's kind of shown. So I I don't know. It's it's 
it's it's a lot of things to figure out here yeah. in the next several days. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. They've got some things that are broken, including their starting quarterback. Glenn and Tim, you were both there along with me. Watching Will Howard try to come down those stairs for our post game. Guys, I don't I don't know how he's gonna be ready for Saturday. And with a week off after this, I almost feel like even if he could play, they might just use him as the backup in this game to see what Avery can do and try to get him healed up. If it doesn't work, put him in. But if it does work, you get him for two weeks rest before going to Oklahoma State. I, I thought he looked uh, – yeah. I, I don't see how he's going to play, guys. Yeah, he, we, we asked him post game and it, like a wise man, he said, uh, it was my leg. Well, thanks. That narrows it down. Yeah, but uh, we knew no, that. I, I think it all comes down to what the injury is and if it's going to get worse. It, it, you could see the bye week different ways. On one hand, if it's something that he can play on and it's, he's not going to worsen the injury, then they might say, hey, let's get him out there. He's going to play through some pain, but he's going to play. And then he's got a full week off to recover after that on the flip side of that if it is something that where they think there's even a chance that okay if he goes out there and gets hit the wrong way then he's out six weeks instead of one or two uh then they're like we got a bye week next week this is the only time all year we're going to get him off the field for two right. straight weeks and maybe you do hold off i don't know what the injury is my utter guess just because they left him out there is that maybe it is something that wasn't going to get worse with playing on it because i don't think they were this felt like Missouri Super Bowl. This was not K-State Super Bowl. If K-State K-State was not going to sacrifice a Big 12 championship for Will Howard to go out and maybe get a win against Missouri, it wasn't worth it to them. So my guess is that if he kept playing on it, it was something where their training staff or whoever said, hey, he's gonna he's not gonna feel good, but he can go out and play and it's not gonna be it's not gonna be in term. That's just my guess though. Tim, when, when the game was going on, I thought it was an ankle, but when he came down the stairs, it looked like a knee. It looked like he was locked up that knee, and I wonder if he just didn't take a direct strike to the knee, maybe just hitting the ground um, and, you know, had a contusion that was, you know, filling up with some um, just kind of getting stiff on him and swelling on him, and he couldn't move it. But, I, again, that's all guesswork. Yeah, no, I don't know. When, when, when he was asked particularly about, you know, whether you thought about coming out, he was, you know, obviously very disappointed and not, not happy in the moment, but was like, look, it was, it was good enough to play on. And that's all that matters. I, if that is still the case, I, I mean, I, I can see them trying another situation where they have him come out there and they bring in Avery to, to, to be the wildcat quarterback of sorts. And I don't, I think we've seen, K-State coaches try to do that in the past on several different scenarios, and it's not been the the, the best results. I think no. that you know you want you want your guy, and to be I, I, to be clear, aside from the one interception, Will Howard played a pretty good game. I mean, he had you know multiple touchdowns, over two hundred yards. He's like his eighth straight game with multiple touchdowns, which is up there as far as K-State quarterbacks are concerned, at least going back quite a ways. He played well. It's just they needed someone more mobile, and that right. just could not have been him last year. And, and the first time that I saw him start to hobble was, I believe, his he had two touchdown runs, neither of them counted. Uh, I think it was the one in the second half when they when they had to get, score three times. When Will ran in, didn't count. Threw it to Jaden Jackson, didn't count. And then I think they got it to Senate, and it did count. 
that was the first and I'm not saying that was the first time that he limped. I don't know. That was the first time that I saw filming the game from the sideline. He took off to run to the pylon and in the first three steps he was moving and in the next about four steps, I think all came on one leg. He he was hopping to get to that end zone. And I don't know if that's what he he could have just pulled something or came down on it wrong or hyperextended it or whatever. Um, or maybe like like you said, Fitz, it could have been that he got hit hard on the previous play. And that was just the first time that we saw the effect yeah. of it when he tried to take off and running and go, oh wait, that's not good. But that was the first time that I saw it. I don't know if that's the play he got hurt on, but I, I it was clear on that one. I saw him limp the other way and I go, well, that's that didn't look not good. good. Yeah. No. He 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 played the end of that game looking like me getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> you just don't know if it's gonna get anywhere and <laughs> it might fall down at any moment. Brian, give me a positive. Uh, even if it was a loss, there's got to be a positive, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, look, K-State, they fought. Right. I mean, that's one thing that you can say. The team fought hard. Um, you know, um, the, the the offense, like I mentioned before, when we decided to run the ball and run the ball at Missouri, we were just fine. We were just fine. We, we could get yards. I just think we went away from it more often than what we should have. Um but, and again, chunk plays aren't necessary every single snap. It's okay to get five here, four here. They were doing that. So I thought they ran the ball well. Um, when, when we decided to run it, I thought we ran it well. Uh, I, I, again, getting the experience of, of the football game, I think the guys fought to the end. I, I just, to me, there wasn't a ton positive. I, I'll be honest. I, I just didn't think there was that much positive. I thought, the, the coaching let us down. Uh, I, I just thought some of the things that the guys were just weren't put in positions to make the plays. That's all. I'm not trying to be, you know, Debbie no, Downer or anything like that. I'm just being honest about what I saw during the football game. Um, I, I do think that the defense kind of got after him a little bit. But again, you got to put the guys in position to make plays. I think we have enough pass rushers, but uh, rushing three against five and six, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. In that third quarter, Tim, when they brought some pressure and, and made Brady Cook a little more uncomfortable, we saw his completion percentage go down. And then I don't know if Missouri adjusted to that or K-State backed out of that. But lo and behold, on late in the game, he's back there operating free. And you give that kid a clean pocket, he's good. The problem isn't he can't throw it or run it. Sometimes he gets rattled. And they didn't do much to rattle him. And he had a tremendous game. He was... Uh, he won the MVP, but he was a close second to Luther Burden. Well, the biggest question mark that you know Missouri had going in was an offensive line that had struggled mm-hmm. mightily the last two weeks. Um, and after the Middle Tennessee State game, Drinkwitz was was very emphatic about how they were going to fix whatever issues and they were going to you know try new people out there. And whatever they did, it 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 worked at least, you know, partially. I mean, it didn't work on the run game. They were still weren't able to run block. They only had 60 rushing yards or whatever, and one of those came on, you know, 32 of those came on that one run by Schrader. But aside from that, yeah, they, you know, they only had two sacks. When I, you know, going into the game, I was like, this K-State's defensive line is going to eat this kid alive. Like, I, you know, was worried for his health. <laughs> um and that obviously turned out not not to be the case. They, they they figured it out, and I I think that is one of the bigger catalysts in, right. in how effective uh, the, the Tigers' offense looked against K State's defense because they he had time. They he figured it out. Probably an important note too. Brady Cook played 
maybe the game of his career. And then you can you can go back and yes. forth on how much of that was because of K-State's defense versus how much of that was just he played really well. But uh, you're talking about a guy that got booed by his by the Missouri fans when they announced him as the starter for the game. And, and he, you know, if you're a K-State fan and you watch that game, you're saying, why were you why were you booing this guy? He looked pretty dang good. Uh, I, he doesn't typically play like that every Saturday. Now, again, maybe that's a K-State problem. Why was he able to play like that against against the Cats? Or maybe that was just sometimes you get a guy and he and he has a good day against you. Okay, so last year I was really critical of Coach Drinkwitz and some of the things he did during the course of the game. And uh, I, aside from the the incredible uh, delay of game there late in the game, I thought his staff outcoached K-State by far. But then he goes into the post game and criticizes his own fans for booing Brady Cook. And I get why he wants them to stop that. But, Brian, this was a significant win. The crowd had stormed the field. The students are having a blast. It's a joyous day. Why bring the negativity right then and there? I, I just thought it was odd. I'm like, don't be your own distractions. Let people have fun. Come back in the press conference next week and say, can we stop this now? You, you boot yeah. him in the pregame. Can we stop it now? But not after the game, man. I you, know, you beat me to it, Fitz. That's a Tuesday press conference yeah. conversation. That's a Tuesday press conference conversation. Not after that. He should have just been up in arms, happy that they won the game, celebrate, celebrate, and then mention it, you know, the next week. But, you know, it, it, it sometimes if you don't have a whole lot of experience in, in this situation or that type of setting – I mean, I'm sure his emotions got the best of him, but I just, you know, he's paid a lot of money to make right decisions, and that just wasn't a good decision. Glenn, um, I I think Missouri's pretty good, but the head coach just seems to be always getting in his own way. I don't I don't understand this man at all. Again, I he just reminds me so much of Ron Prince, it bugs the hell out of me. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. The way I put it to someone else um, yesterday, I think that he wants to have a lot of mic drop moments. I think that he does. And I think he loves to have these moments where he sounds off in a press conference and then he says, oh, shoot, did that go viral? Like, how did that happen? It's, yeah. You know, he goes on this long rant. He did the same thing about conference realignment. You probably remember. And I'm not against that rant. I mean, he, made, he probably made some good points. Um, but I think he started both of those with something like, you know what? I'll say it. I'll say it. And it's like, it's almost like he gets this big speech in his mind and then he acts like it wasn't planned at all. And he acts like it just happened to come out. And then he, and may, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's strategic. Like maybe that stuff's good for recruiting when he goes on a rant about how much he cares about the student athletes and it gets 6 million views or whatever. I mean, maybe that is, um, but I just find it a little bit funny, I guess is maybe the word. It seems, it seems like he, yeah, it seems like he really wants to, um, to say stuff that that is going to get a rise out of people in that press conference, good or bad. Okay, Tim, I'm going to give you the final thought, wrapping up the Missouri-K-State game, which was a great college football game. Man, I got to tell you, I just love college football so much. Saturday, it sucked for me personally because you cover the game, you work, and then you drive four hours back, you get home at 10, I missed one of the most incredible, epic, wonderful days in college football. <laughs> we thought there were no good games on the slate, and it just turned into a total crap fest. Uh, but losing in the way that K-State lost was part of that incredible day. Yeah. So give me a wrap. What, what's your final thoughts on the Missouri game? 
yeah, you know, it's 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 tough. If you know, it, it was not particularly a fun game to kind of endure. I think if you are were an outside party of the two, right, it probably was a lot more interesting to watch. I think that you know, if 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 they got in case they got some things exposed the last couple of weeks, they were really exposed now. So you know, you can take away the fact that they 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 know what to work on now. That's it's on film. They have it in front of them, whether they are able to do it or not. Uh, Missouri fans great you know this is the the best moment that they've had in about a decade and they proved that by uh tweeting out that their athletic department had created a t-shirt commemorating the win so the missouri fans that are in the chat right now congratulations (laughs) that's for you guys i hope you will have yours ordered um and you can wear it next week (laughs) and you know i it's 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 going to be it's going to be more of a process for this team to kind of find its its right. form than than we maybe thought it was going to be, but that's okay. I mean, that's you know, conference play starts next week. It's a whole new chapter, whole new book, and uh, you gotta gotta find ways to get better this week. As a guy who covers a school, his alma mater, that went through the T-shirt for every win phase. Don't do it, Missouri. Steer away. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a trap, man. Get out. It just, oh, just doesn't look good. Before we go to break, a little reminder: make sure you're subscribing to this YouTube channel, but mostly make sure you turn on your notifications because I have a conflict next week. So we're not doing this at 1:30 p.m. in the middle of the afternoon next Monday. I'll be in Kansas City at that moment, talking to another cancer doctor. It's just it's so fun. They're such nice people. Um, they really are, actually. So we're going to do the Insiders in primetime. We'll be on at 7 p.m. instead of 1.30 next week. We're going to crunch Glenn in during his Mr. TV Guy dinner break. That's right. He calls it a lunch break, but it's 7 p.m. I got to explain to him how these things work. But uh, he might be eating a, a sandwich while we do this. He might maybe some uh, like get a giant turkey leg and eat that. Glenn. I, I'm a big chicken and rice guy. I like to make mm. the same thing every week and any of every week. I might just have a chicken breast. I'll just shove a fork into it. And- that's, I'll do it mostly while Brian's talking so that I don't distract anyone. But. That's why he's the skinny guy on the cast. He eats chicken breast and rice. Okay, so we're going to park the break here. And if you're new to this, this break lasts three seconds here on YouTube, but or four seconds, actually. Uh, but uh, this is where we'll put the ads for the podcast version. You can always catch this on your favorite podcast provider or the replay right here on YouTube or at GoPowerCat. We will be right back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the PowerCat podcast. Okay, guys, let's move on to K-State playing UCF. And UCF um, is on its backup quarterback right now. Uh, Maybe K-State will be on its backup quarterback. Um, I've made a decision on a couple fronts. Um, I am not going to bet on Big 12 football in any way this year <laughs> because I have no freaking clue what's going on in this. I don't town. think anyone does. Uh, Brian, this I, I think this conference is really bad. And I am now even looking at the win, the big, incredible Texas win in Alabama and questioning it based on Alabama's performance. And granted, the, the conditions were awful in the Tampa area on Saturday, but still struggling with USF. 
isn't a good sign. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say about this conference, but there are some bad teams. Yes, and two of them play each other this week, Oklahoma State and Iowa State. I'm I'm actually um, cheering. Uh, I know this is going to be a little controversial. I'm cheering for Yellowstone to erupt um, <laughs> before that game kicks off so none of us have to ever be exposed to it. But, Brian, how bad is this conference, or am I wrong? Is it just the most wonderful conference ever? The over-under on that game set at about uh, 19 and a half, I think. Uh, is that right? Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, you're you're definitely not wrong, Fitz. You are 100% not wrong. Bad football all around. Uh, Texas is really good. Look, let's just be honest. Texas is really good. Uh, I think OU is better. They haven't been tested at all. So we'll, we'll, we'll still hold the verdict out on how good Oklahoma is. I'm still not sold on their quarterback. Uh, I watched a little bit of that game against Tulsa and Tulsa is not good. Um, so, but man, it's tough because of how good the big 12 was last year and last few years. And it was really good. And then this year, I mean, for Oklahoma State to just get battered by South Alabama. And then Iowa. First of all, I, why is Iowa State even going to Ohio? That's number one. <laughs> but number two, to go there and can't score any points, you get beat by Ohio 10 to 7. I'm like, that, that, that's not good. That's not good. And then a team that we thought wasn't going to be very good, um, BYU. Goes to Arkansas and wins. Who knew? You know, who knew? And then you flip that over, and then you Cincinnati loses to Miami of Ohio. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is going on? So, I don't know. Um, look, that we're licking our, our wounds in the Big 12. Um, hopefully, K-State can lick their wounds quick and, and get back to winning ways. Because uh, I still believe that we have a very talented team. I still think that they're very good. We just have things that we have to work on and things that we just have to be better at that haven't materialized uh, for kind of a veteran team that I thought would have already taken place. Tim, how much money would it take to make you go cover the Oklahoma State-Iowa State game? <laughs> um, is it in Stillwater or Ames? It's in Ames. Oh, it's oh, that's a lot more than um. <laughs> it's it's. It, I mean, it it it, it need to be pretty significant. I okay, think. I you mean, get I a, see the bridge. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she just took the words out of my mouth. You get to see the bridge. That's <laughs> priceless. Um, yeah. Uh, look, there's going to be some teams that have pretty good records in this conference at the end of the season, that may not be very good. That might include Kansas State. I don't know. I think they're still going to be pretty good. But Cincinnati, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Houston, and maybe West Virginia because Pitt might really stink. Yeah, All might be just wins for almost everyone, and they might play each other in a festival of crap and decide, you know, someone might go three and one against them yeah. if they play all of each other. Um, I don't, I don't know, guys, but I know this: Oklahoma opens Big Twelve play at Cincinnati. Well, that should be a win, and I believe then they go home and play Iowa State, if I remember yeah. that correctly. The, we still won't know a damn thing about Oklahoma two games into the Big Twelve. Yeah, I looked at their schedule because preseason, I think their win total was set at eight and a half or nine and a half. Yeah, yep. And I go, well, that's not right. And I and, and you know, you look at the about, games. thinking about betting on the under. I look at their schedule and I go, oh, they're going to win eight or nine games. Yeah. I mean, they, they, their last year in the Big 12, they got, um, you know, we don't know everything about all these teams. So it's hard to say 
three weeks into the season, if that's an easy game, that's a hard game. But looking at it, if you look at all the Big 12 schedule, that hard, I would find it hard to believe that Oklahoma uh, isn't one of the easier ones. I agree. I mean, the fact that Kansas State, again, I've said this a million times, and it really it it angers me. It's not this way. Every old Big Eight team should be playing Oklahoma this year, and every old Southwest Conference team should be playing Texas. Absolutely. I I don't know why that wasn't a priority in scheduling, but Oklahoma got off K State's hook, um, and that worked out really well for them. But um, I think one of the more intriguing games this weekend, and I'll get to UCF Kansas State though, is BYU going to Kansas mm-hmm. because I think Kansas is still really good. Uh, Brian, that seemed like I watched as much of that game as I could because uh, I was falling asleep. But um, that that KU game at Nevada just seemed like one of those games that happens. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And you just got to survive it and move on, and you're you're fine. I think KU is going to be fine. I refuse to believe that the Nevada coaching staff that had lost two games so awfully to start the season – uncovered some secret code to stopping KU. I'm not going to believe that. I just think KU was playing late night. They were off schedule and uh, they got in a tussle and they won. And I think they're better for it. But BYU going to Kansas in light of them winning at Arkansas, BYU, I'm intrigued. I want to watch this one. Well, here's the thing. And look, I'm you know me, Fitz. I will never and, and and guys, just so you guys know, I'd never say anything nice about KU. Just <laughs> just not gonna happen. I just don't do that. However, this is a game that in years past KU loses. Yeah, and, and they might lose big. So for them to be able to win that game, and they didn't play well. I again, I caught saw bits and pieces of it. They didn't play well. They are way better than Nevada. Nevada's awful. They're they're, they're awful. Um, but again, KU won the football game and sometimes you just got to go somewhere and win. And that's the sign of at least a program that's getting better is when you can go beat a team that you're supposed to beat where you play lousy, but you still win the football game. So kudos to them. I've watched a lot of that BYU Arkansas game. Arkansas didn't, I mean, they had some penalties and stuff, but BYU went and took the game from them. So that's the difference. I, I think that it's going to be a, a good game. Mm-hmm. I would suspect KU is better, but I think that's going to be a really, really good football game. And maybe we were wrong about BYU. Maybe BYU is going to be better than what we had anticipated. We'll see. You know, we'll see. A conference play is a whole other ball game, as we all know. So we'll find out. But I just – I'm intrigued by that football game. Me too. Glenn – uh, did you go to KU's press conference today? I didn't. Lanny, or my Lanny was there. Though. Lanny, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think they're going to be fine. I, I think Lance Leipold's calm nature yeah. will just, you know, rub off on the team. Uh, you know, my my sidekick on the drive, Michael Swain, was talking about the oddity of having to fly back on Sundays to the NCAA now counts right. that as a, as a day in your schedule. So they had a practice late night on Sunday night to get a practice in. Mm-hmm. stupid to the nth degree like the ncaa is but unbelievable um yeah i i think they're mostly off today i would assume but that, yeah. they're gonna be fine but i think this is gonna be a great game because byu's gotta be flying high yeah i think leipold gets it too he said after the game he goes look this football program if you look at our recent years he's in a position to be complaining about how we win he goes we won a football game and we're gonna take the victory now the first thing he said immediately after that is we're gonna find ways to clean it up he's not saying hey we won let's just 
right. sunshine and rainbows. Let's go. Hopefully we'll win again next week. Right. Uh, he was saying, yeah, hey, there was some issues, but we won the game. And uh, you'd rather have issues and win the game than, than issues and lose the game. And and uh, they, they it was their first road game. It was so late at night. Um, it was it was chaos. I had the uh, Colorado Colorado State game on on my uh, phone, I think. And then that KU Nevada game on the TV. And I had been up since about. 6 30 in the morning is when i went when i left for columbia so i it feels like i'm glad that you guys remember it too because i thought maybe it was a fever dream or something but i'm glad that you guys can confirm i actually was awake and all that happened but uh yeah you pull out the win it's one of those if you lose you're, you're talking about for years to come and if you win it people probably forget about it a few months from now uh these night games it's going to be something this conference has to figure out because i if correct me if i'm wrong i was just looking for it real quick but I believe Cincinnati is going to BYU next week and playing, I got it, a 9.15 p.m. game, so 10.15 on their their clock after being at home this week with Oklahoma, then they fly all the way across country and kick off almost 12 hours later than they're kicking off this week. Guys, this, this is nuts. They're, they're going to have to be really careful with this. There's going to be sometimes it's unavoidable, but – this is a huge advantage to the Western teams. And, and I think it's going to have to be something that not only the conference needs to set some guidelines with their TV partners, but come on, really you're going to take an Eastern team and send them all the way out to Provo and, and play them at nine 15, 10, their time. Uh, Everson, I'm not a fan of that. No, no. And then I think we're going to run into to weird stuff like this. I thought it was weird that that KU was kicking off at at, at nine o'clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I also saw that on the on kind of the flip side of this, uh, Colorado and USC is scheduled for the the big noon Saturday on Fox, which mm-hmm. is going to be that's noon Eastern, so that's nine a.m. for USC. <laughs> <laughs> which i mean whatever i mean you're already up but still i mean it's 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 something that we are going to need to figure out mm-hmm. especially now that there's so many sea to shining sea conferences uh yeah. but it's not uh it's it's not ideal certainly and especially if you're a media person and having to deal with that i you know i i, I didn't make it through the colorado colorado state game and so if I was having to be in Reno covering KU at, you know, midnight our time and still mm-hmm. have to write a story and all that, good Lord. Uh, yeah. And the one thing that yeah. I know a lot of people have asked me about, you know, they do a lot of this in, um, you know, and on the Pac-12 where they go because you go to Oregon and then say I'm I'm Utah and I go to Oregon and I play Oregon and Oregon State like in basketball. I'm wondering if some of that doesn't happen for football and somebody just stays out there for an entire week and maybe they play, you know, Arizona and then the next week they're playing Arizona state or they play BYU because if that's a Cincinnati, now again, if the schedule makers do that, then you got to think somebody's insane up at the schedule makers at the big 12. But if they were to do that, I mean, why would you fly back? If I played Arizona state, why would I fly back to Cincinnati only for four days later, mm-hmm. have to fly back to, to to go play Colorado or BYU. So, you know, but some of it's going to be unavoidable because that is going to happen. You're not going to be able to get out of some of that stuff happening. So I don't know. It, it's a it's a mess. I'm glad I'm not in charge of it. But 
I just don't believe that you have to have these late kickoffs, even on the West Coast. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. Look, everybody stayed up for the Colorado game. Yeah. Colorado, well, most people stayed up and watched. <laughs> they stayed up for that game. Everybody's not staying up for Central Florida against BYU. On the West Coast, the game starts at, at 9 or 10 o'clock Eastern time. They're just not going to do that. So how much ratings are we losing out on by doing that versus having the game kick off at 6 o'clock? I just, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Brian, they're not going to be happy you call them Central Florida. I'll start with that. Mm. But uh, uh, you're right. So, what did you call it? You call it a mess. It's only going to be a bigger mess come basketball season, right? You're playing two games oh, a week, and you might have a team going Saturday, Monday, or, or Wednesday, Saturday, or whatever. And I mean, are you going to play? Are you going to play in, in uh, you know, are you going to play UCF one day and then come out and play? I don't know, you know, play in Lubbock the next day or wherever you're going. I mean, it's, Colorado or, or wherever. I mean, that's going to be uh, a travel nightmare. I'll be interested to see what, what we do get if we get something where, okay, uh, Central Florida, sorry, UCF is going to come up and play KU on a Tuesday and play K-State on a Saturday. Or they're going to go, you know what I mean? Or they're going to go play uh, two Texas schools. I, maybe we'll get more of that. That would make sense to me, but, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, in, in, the, in the smaller sports, it, it's already – the change right. has already happened. Yeah. Right. Volleyball yeah. – uh, yeah. plays TCU uh, Thursday and Friday in Manhattan. And uh, I, I think that's just kind of the standard now. It's, you're either play single games or if you play two games, you'll play them back-to-back at one site. And that goes for even K-State KU. Later in the season, K-State will play back-to-back games, volleyball games in Lawrence, even though it would be just as easy to, to do it one in Manhattan and one in Lawrence. So it's weird. Okay, I want, I want to back up. Tim, did you say Fox is covering Colorado again? Correct. <laughs> Glenn, you represent three TV networks on this. I'm the CBS guy. You have the Fox banner somewhere there. What the hell is is this Joel Klatt? Is Joel Klatt just gone full, full on Coach Prime and we can't get out of it? <laughs> Just like I told people when they were mad with the DirecTV stuff, when they couldn't get NBC on DirecTV, uh, I didn't make the decision on that. I also don't make the decision on where Fox sure. goes for big new yeah, kickoff sure. or whatever. Uh, they don't they don't even accept my input. Uh, whatever. But um, I don't know. I, I guess Prime's the Prime's the hot topic, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna keep riding with him until the ratings don't show up. I guess. Brian, one quick final thing on Coach Prime. He is an incredible story. This is incredible to watch. It's so unconventional uh, and refreshing and annoying at the same time. And uh, I am just amazed that the Big 12, despite playing such crappy football right now, will be at 16 schools and have this coach in its conference next year. I feel like the Big 12 just went from being very unfortunate in conference realignment to really fortunate and and getting all the access that, you know, picking up teams to the Pac-12, which is right now a better conference in football, and and the Coach Prime story is going to be huge for the Big 12 because look at the networks lining up to cover these games, and I don't think that's going to end with Coach Prime. He brings ratings, period. He brings ratings. And look, I'm one of those people that I'm on board. Yeah. Look, it's unconventional. Uh, he's changing the way that college football, how they do college football, how it's being done. There's a lot of people that are upset by that. But for me personally, I'm not because you can't tell me there's a difference between bringing in 58 transfers or 30. 
or 32. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that's so hypocritical is everybody is mad at him for bringing in all these transfers. Well, OU brought in 30, you know, yeah. and they had a six and seven season. And then guess what? They bring in 30. Ole Miss, the last three years, has brought in almost 100 transfers over a three-year time period, and nobody has said a thing about that. So I'm for it. The Big 12 is going to be so much better for it. I will say this, though. I, I believe the hype train of Colorado is about to come tumbling down. Because, <laughs> it, almost, it almost did. <laughs> yes. I, I believe that it's going to come tumbling down. I was talking about this all day on Twitter on Sunday. I'm like, look, we all watch football. And while we're, we are we got our pom-poms out for Coach Prime, <laughs> we saw that defense. And Oregon, I'm telling everybody, they are going to line up and say, we're better than you, and they are going to run the ball down Colorado's throat, and there's not going to be anything that they can do to stop it. So I, I just – the the hype train of that is going to stop. Now, can they go on and win six or seven games? Because you start digging into Colorado's schedule, and you're like, well, where are the other wins coming? Arizona State uh-huh. stinks, um, so they can get one there, and Stanford. But other than that, where are the other wins? Maybe Arizona, but it's going to be tough. But just to get back to it, Fitz, I love it. I, I, I love what I he's doing. It's, cool. it's going to be so exciting for this conference and bring something. And, and to be honest with you, in football, uh, I don't know that it's ever had a superstar celebrity mm-hmm. type of coach in, in it ever before. I mean, you could, I mean, we, we just haven't had that. I mean, yeah, Brian, I think it's interesting too. Yeah. Uh, I would be fascinated to hear how much the, the prime effect, if you want to call it that, weighed into Brett Yormark's decision, and it makes him look really, really smart, oh. not only for adding them, but also for the timing, because yes. I, I don't want to make an assumption, but if I'm Yormark and I'm seeing prime over the summer and I'm seeing all the attention that he's getting before they even won a football game, and I'm saying, you know what, two things. One, I think I want this guy in my conference, right? Like I, I think I said after their first win, I, I Yormark was seeing dollar signs. And I'm also saying hey, this Pac-12 media deal that uh, their commissioner keeps saying they have, but he won't ever tell anybody about it, and it's like, uh, is the media deal in the room with us type of deal? Um, That thing, if Prime goes out and does all this, they might actually get one. There's going to be some networks that say, we want that guy, and your mark got it done just in time to where when networks say, we want that guy, he can go, oh, he's with us. Absolutely. It's incredible. Absolutely. I think it's absolutely incredible. Look. I think the Big 12 Conference is so much better for it. We we can badmouth Colorado and their program all we want, and they, they deserved it. They were horrible <laughs> for two decades. I mean, they were just bad, bad, bad. But you know what? It, it's I, I watched that 60 Minutes interview last night, and it, it it's they took a chance. I think I think what the athletic director basically said was, it can't get worse. He's not going to do any worse than what we are. If it works, I'm a genius. Without him actually saying that, that's exactly what it was. If it works, I'm a genius. If it doesn't, it's not any worse than what we were. So why why not do it? Good for us. Good for the Big 12. My final two thoughts on the Coach Prime Colorado thing. First of all, uh, the students rushing the field after beating Colorado State, I don't care. Let them have fun. They're students. College kids, man. Yeah, exactly. Go have fun, man. It's a college experience. You're going to remember that forever. Uh, you know, well, I mean, if you weren't really high, that forever. <laughs> we'll remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and finally, that hit Travis Hunter 
took. That that has no place in football. Why he wasn't ejected, I have no idea. And I still am firmly in belief that when you injure someone with a personal foul, you should not play until they can play again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're out for the rest of the season, you're out for the rest of the season. You want to clean this up, make the penalty that severe. Um, but that, that thing was dirty. Okay, Brian, what does K-State need to do best to beat UCF on Saturday at 7 p.m.? Just be physical. Right. Go back to being a physical K-State football team, man. They run the ball downhill, play good defense, stop the run, which we did do on uh, on Saturday. We stuffed what Missouri was trying to do running the football again. Outside of one run, we we they couldn't do anything with us. So just go back to being physical. I think that's where – we need to live. Uh, I don't think that our receivers are going to be able to do the things outside that, you know, they're capable of, of doing. That's fine. You know, just just keep running the football. They'll bring the safeties up eventually. We keep getting seven, eight, nine, ten yards a pop running the football. Those guys will drop down, and then we'll be able to throw it over their head. So just go back to being physical on both sides of the football and let things take care of itself. Go back to being us. Tim Everson, the guy who didn't charge his, his- – light properly <laughs> um hey, you're still a shining star on this podcast thank you, thank you um i i love this game i love having ucf in the conference i hope we don't have another storm like we did what in 2010 <laughs> my god uh but um this is a game brian's right get back to being who you are and christian duffy coming back should be a big help to that even though he may not play the entire game he will be available and it's gotta help yeah no they they need they need him back. They need that continuity. They need to find that that chemistry that was working so well last year, and 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 kind of get get this offense back into a rhythm. Even last week with Will Howard playing so well, it never felt like things were clicking at at kind of a, a regular level. They need they need to kind of refine their offensive identity here, and I, I I'm hopeful that they'll do it against UCF. It's not maybe the opponent that I would. 100% pick if I if I wanted to pick a bounce back but I wouldn't have said that of, of Oklahoma last last year either so we'll we'll see Glenn if they go with Avery Johnson does that affect K-State that much I I think the the answer is we don't know yeah. uh, we've seen that he can run the ball but again when when he ran the ball and it was it was okay against Missouri but when it let you run the ball that was against backups for SEMO right? right and so uh I saw I saw the kid play in high school enough to know that he has an arm yep. and that he and we saw him break some tackles and avoid some defenders of, of good college defenders so I think he's a good quarterback but but I'd be you know I don't think it's fair to say oh it's not much of a step down and it's also not fair to say oh that'd be a disaster we just don't know we could he could end up playing and we're like oh my gosh how did we not have this guy on the field all the time and he could end up playing and we say uh, let's put Jake Rubley in for the second half. So I don't know. And the other thing I'll, I'll, I'll throw out here off topic before we before we wrap up here, Gabe Green is not listed on K-State's depth chart this week. So the yeah. K-State might be without one of their top defenders. Yeah, uh, you know, I was just going to touch on that. We had a question um, from Cole in the chat. We did, I did hear before we started this that Daniel might be done for the year with wow. a shoulder injury, yep. um, which is just awful. This kid could not stay wow. healthy, came back to have a full season, and now this happens. Uh, I don't know what Jake Clifton's status is. Not good. Um, he's the backup, so that maybe Austin Romaine um, will step in as a true freshman in this game. 
Very interesting. We don't know on Will Howard. We're going to find out more all about that on Tuesday right. at the Chris Kleiman press conference. And that will be a wrap on the insiders. Remember next week, we're going primetime in honor of primetime, <laughs> not the coaches in honor of the, the period from seven to 10. We'll, we'll, we'll be uh, live at seven o'clock because I have an appointment in Kansas city during this time of the day. So I'll get back from Kansas city. We'll flip the switch and we'll do a little magic with next week's edition of the insiders for brian glenn and tim i'm fitz we appreciate you listening so much as we uh wrap it up here and we will be back next week with more talk about k-state and ucf thank you for listening to the power cat podcast make sure you're subscribing to our show at apple spotify amazon or wherever you get your podcasts